0: Welcome to another session of Just Me, and today we're joined by the fabulous Evra Rose, who I met a few years ago, and she is just awesome. So, who are you, and what do you do?
1: I am Evra Rose, and I am a spoken word poet for Wrexham, but my role um, over the years has changed from one of just writing commissions to now involved in activism and various community projects around Wrexham to to grow the community essentially
0: that's so cool so how did you arrive at doing what you're doing I mean what's your journey so take us back to well as far as you want to go back
1: so essentially around eight or nine years old um, I was going through some difficult things in life and I had no way to express myself you know I did martial arts and things like that and that was good for kind of discipline and um physical outlet but i didn't really understand how to articulate i guess my experiences and i latched onto things like rap music so i started writing rap um just to kind of vent things it was a blank piece of paper and it just enabled me to speak in a way that i just I couldn't verbally it was it was very wow. very strange and um throughout my teens i maintained that but then my style I guess transformed into spoken word and the more aware I became of social issues it kind of morphed into what it is today which is you know a working class activist poetry I guess.
0: But, but at what point did you realise that I completely get what you mean of, of being able to kind of express one's feelings yeah. but how did you then know that it was going to be through the spoken word or did it just naturally evolve?
1: I guess it's it was na- it was very very natural and it was something I kept uh, a secret for a very long time. I didn't share my writing with people. It was essentially just a therapeutic outlet for myself. Mm. um And it wasn't until probably about four and a half years ago, where I had a discussion with one of my best friends called Adam, and I said, "Oh yeah, I do write poetry, spoken word, rap, etc." And he was like, "Oh, can I can I just hear some?" Yeah. And I was quite daunted because obviously it was it's personal stuff that I'd not shared with people, mm. and his reaction to it he was so overcome with emotion but also support for me as well he was like you really have to get that out there that's brilliant um and the sneaky little devil uh put <sighs> one of my recordings on youtube and it got such a great reception and then i was offered a gig at a spoken word night in rexham called voice box i um, just a, a, an open mic slot essentially just to introduce me to the world so i did that and it was very nerve-wracking i essentially like public speaking for me although I can look confident on the inside I'm shivering um, and it was daunting but everybody was just so supportive um, and it just went from there essentially it was just, just that one open mic slot and before I knew it I had offers from the BBC and my commissions mm. were growing and then obviously I became involved with Rex FC and activism, et cetera, because, you know, I'm a person that doesn't really uh, silence myself on important issues. And it's just over the past four years since since that very first performance, everything has just grown massively for me. And um, I'm able to, to work with people and charities that are just incredible and, you know, be involved with incredible community work as well.
0: But, but I mean, your work, and and I'm I'm really hoping that you'll kind of, you know, give us an, a, a sample of it. But yep. I mean, I remember in the Wrexham Community Centre that where I first met you, yep. I was exactly the same thing. I mean, you know, you went up on stage and you started speaking. And I think by line two, I mean, I was just, I was just captivated. So So when you started writing this down, can you remember the first conscious point of writing something down? And what was it?
1: It was um, about a family member, actually. And mm. it was, um, I don't know if you know the tune, but Eminem, The Way I Am. Mm. Um, and I, I was a big, and still am a big fan of Eminem. And I, mm. I, I structured the writing basically in the way that he did it, in the stanzas and kind of the syllables and the, the way the, the, the river moved, I guess. But I changed every lyric to reflect the experience I was going through with a family member. Wow. And um, my parents saw it and they were like, you're really good at this. Wow! Um, I was so young. And I thought, if I'm able to express myself like that, I'm just going to keep doing that. It it essentially was just a therapy for me. Um, It's got me through some really, really rough parts of my life. I mean, Mm. rap music and being able to write in that way has pulled me through some of the darkest places in my life. And I think if it weren't for that, I would be in a very, very different position now.
0: That's amazing. It's so funny, isn't it? Because we kind of like when we're young we're really creative aren't we we're very imaginative yeah. and, then, and then we kind of go through school and stuff and and i don't know what happens but that seems to lessen doesn't it and
1: absolutely you
0: know, and it's so many people like you, you you know your great self who rediscover i mean what was school like for you
1: <sighs> to be honest school was a mixed bag i really really loved primary school but i think one of the difficulties they found with me is i thought a lot differently to a lot of children I didn't um approach things in the same way I had my own way of doing things and I think they really struggled to kind of utilize my strengths I get so um you know I had comments like you know stop writing that's not really going to do anything for you crack on with this and you know even poetry in school as much as you know people like Shakespeare absolutely have their place and have shaped literature um for me I didn't um I just felt alienated by it because it didn't reflect my language it didn't reflect my life or my experiences so I actually found school um again quite alienating I didn't find it accommodating to my strengths although you know many children did succeed there was a lot of mm-hmm. us that who were quite different and fought differently um uh, didn't really find it the best place to be and it was it was kind of my writing was it was something I did at home mostly because it was, it wasn't really embraced that much in school because, you know, I did have my head in a pad and I would often face out because I wanted to write or even draw something at times. But that, you know, if I didn't have that outlet, I mean, I would have been so much worse at school as well. It was, it was definitely something I absolutely needed on my side and a blank piece of paper, as funny as it sounds, what was my counselor, my best friend, you my role model because it was just it allowed me to speak and it never judged me it never answered back and it never questioned anything of me um so like when it comes to writing and kind of the approach to it like I'm very mindful of the fact that that out of everything in my life even all the difficulties or the people that have come and gone a blank piece of paper and the words are always regardless of their context going to be there for me
0: That's so beautiful. though. I just love that. So what have you learned along the way? I mean, what what has this all taught you?
1: It's taught me a lot about people and intentions of people and that young people really do get too much of a hard time. So I I do run some workshops with young people and it's generally, I'm going to use brackets here because I don't like this particular phrase, challenging behaviour. And I've walked into sessions And these are young people. They aren't challenging. They're forgotten and alienated by the system. And actually, when you find their best way to communicate and find something that they actually are really passionate about, they are so engaging. They're so talented and passionate about things in life. You know, there's, there's a lot of young people I've worked with that. You know, take Bugsy Malone, for instance, a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a northern rapper, um, you know, they, a lot of them identify with him and he's had his struggles with mental health and he's, he's been in and out of prison. But one thing that a lot of young people have said to me about Bugsy is not about the trouble that he's been in or the difficulties he's faced, it's the fact that he's overcome them. And that to me was really inspiring to come from young people who essentially branded the same way Bugsy was, you know, bad person, never about to much. But actually, these people are so, so aware no, no. of social issues. They're so, so aware that life is tough, but actually you can overcome it. And the fact that they're ignoring the bad that he's done, but actually latching on to the fact that he made it and he's accomplished despite these difficulties is quite something I feel.
0: I know, and it, it's such a shame, isn't it? I mean, one of the yeah. things that we believe is that, you know, well, I mean, no child is born to fail. I mean, no child wants to fail, regardless of how they find their route Absolutely through life. And those poor people, you know, young people who are excluded, yeah. you know, I mean, I've never met one, never met one who isn't talented in some amazing yeah. way, but they just need to find their voice and they need to find an ear that's sympathetic and will support.
1: Absolutely. Them yeah definitely and even when i've worked um in hmb berwin as well with Mm -hmm. you know young men in there who you know in a prison setting but actually when you just sit down and talk to them Mm -hmm. as human beings and have frank discussions and not judge them for for Mm -hmm. you know the choices that they've made or the the traps that they've fallen into because i mean essentially nobody grows up wanting to commit crime i think it's social issues that lead people down that path a lot of the time you know, it, it, our social environments mould our decisions. And and unfortunately, you know, we do make decisions that aren't always the best for us or people around us. But actually, if we're not given the tools or the opportunities such as youth clubs or after school mm. activity or somebody who's literally going to engage without judgment, then we're going to be led down paths that we don't want to go down initially. Um, and actually, just all the people that I've worked with that have been labeled challenging, difficult, off the cuff have actually been really talented, genuine passionate people
0: yeah and when you when you look back in history, you know you look at people like da Vinci and Caravaggio and all those amazing artists and engineers I mean, most yeah. of them had a really troubled and turbulent kind of upbringing. But they didn't live there. You know, they had a mentor. They had somebody who believed in them. Or they believed that that inner power was going to be powerful in some way. Yeah,
1: that's I, think, I think belief in people can literally change their lives. Like, you okay. know, with, with restorative justice, for instance, um, you know, not just for the people that have been impacted by crime, but saying to somebody, I believe in you. I believe mm-hmm. that you're capable of change. I believe that you've got mm-hmm. these skills and you can change your life is more powerful than sitting there going, get this qualification do this do this service i mean Mm. belief is just huge i mean i look at a lot of the young people in um kaya park the estate that i'm from Mm. and when you just show somebody that you believe in them despite their disbelief in themselves it changes their outlook it changes the way they smile they walk with their heads up you can throw a million skills at somebody but if you don't believe in them they'll sense that and they won't get anywhere because if you can't believe in them why would they believe in
0: themselves so true. So true. So what keeps you going when things get tough? Because they do, don't they? And they, and it's not like you have a little tough period in your life and then suddenly it all goes away. So what, so what keeps you going?
1: Apart from the writing, I think it's my humour. I mean, I, I developed a lot of my humour and grit, I feel, for my grandad. Um, you know, he, he was diagnosed with a terminal illness when I was around seven. And do you know what? I He had his really bad times and he did feel you know depressed at times and he did feel extremely sad but you know right until the end he was still laughing he was still joking still being ironic and you know when people say oh where do you get your irony or your humor Mm -hmm. or your grit from essentially I do feel it's from my granddad because watching him struggle with his health um, but still have that bite about him still have that spark you know it's really inspiring and um, you know, it, I, I feel like not only does the writing compliment me and help me with an outlook, but I feel like my natural twist of humour on things really pulls me through things. I'm able to laugh at situations, regardless of how dire they are. There's always a bit of humour you can find <laughs> in everything. There really is.
0: I mean, I, I love that. I mean, I said that before we started kind of recording the session, but your sense of irony and it, and it comes through in your texts and your emails is brilliant. Honestly, it's just amazing. <laughs> But how do you you feel that? How do you improve on that?
1: Um, To be honest, when it comes to my writing, I am my worst critic. There's nothing that anybody can say about my writing that I haven't said much worse to myself. But essentially, (laughs) in, in terms of improvement, you know, I do read things. But mostly I read, you know, news articles or medical journals or things like that. I don't immerse myself, funnily, in poetry I have the poets that I love. So people like George, the poet, for instance, Mm. he speaks volumes to me well over, you know, things like Wordsworth and things. But my improvements come from just having a good chat with myself. So say if I write something and I really don't like it, I tend to look at things and see, where's the rigidity? I don't do rigid, which is why I don't do office jobs, because I can't take a rigid, structured and kind of environment that kind of kills your creativity so improving look at the world go out and sit on a bench and just watch people literally that that. experience something go to the supermarket and listen to people chatting smile with them and one of the things i absolutely adore is say when you're on a train and train journeys are so so boring they're so (laughs) monotonous i mean i hate them i love my headphones one of the things i absolutely adore is when you see somebody on their phone and they're laughing Uh, whatever comes through to them and they smile and i find over any poetry or music or anything that is incredibly inspiring to me because people are what shapes the world people are are what shape my poetry and kind of my experiences and i just love those hints of of humor and happiness that filter through and regardless of what that person's going through in life there's something at that split moment whether it's a text or a video has made them smile genuinely with their eyes and that to me is just that that pushes me to keep going you know to to kind of identify with people you know empathize with them and kind of make people laugh but also make them aware I think you can you can be serious but also you can have an element of humor it's absolutely fine to do so
0: and it's also I mean it's kind of foundational and fundamental isn't it to to find that humor you know however ironic or obtuse it is yeah really important
1: Yeah exactly and I've had people say to me oh I didn't realize you were this funny because obviously when I'm on stage and I'm talking about serious really serious things you know it is going to be inappropriate to laugh at that moment but actually like my segues or when people get to know me on an individual level they're like oh you're really funny and ironic and it's like yeah I don't have to be serious 24-7 because some of the things I do are so serious without Mm. the humor and the light it would pull me down it really would as it would anybody you know all those negative social impacts that are hurting so many people if you just absorb yourself in the negativity and don't bring yourself a little bit of light don't get on TikTok and laugh at you know hilarious videos you're going to bring yourself down and you're not going to do anybody any good and even yourself as well
0: brilliant brilliant so do you have a an example of, of of or a poem that you've written or that you'd like to share
1: yeah i this one's um the last one in my book actually and it's called Mind Estate and the very first poem in my book begins with saying you know I come from nothing they say and it's essentially about the community that I absolutely adore coming from um, a council estate in Kaya Park and the last poem is exactly how I feel about council estates that people who haven't necessarily grown up in them identify with so I was hoping I could do Mind Estate with you.
0: Of course do please yes yes.
1: Okay I'll crack on. I grew up in social housing, and I carry with me the fondest of memories, a sense of being that I haven't quite been able to restore since privately renting. And I don't know my neighbor. And I quite often make jokes about his peculiar behavior, his visits to his shed in the early hours. And I definitely couldn't ask him for a favor. Not like I did in the past, when neighbors in houses and flats came together, opened doors and welcome mats take me back where I was most content. Many see social housing as just a concept, a resolution, even a project, yet it is something more. It is providing families with security, stability, and the ability to thrive. It is safety for our most vulnerable people. Society has forgotten the root of social housing where we were once proud to say we housed heroes, where the health of our nation mattered and those who could do something did. So as a council estate kid, I ask of you this, to consider what a council estate is. It is a place of activity of community, where people actively support one another, where generation after generation grow and develop, where youth and age share stories of activism, hard work and glory. A place my grandparents will live out their last days. It is not a crime scene, an area of vulgarity that the media would have you believe. It is a hand that helps you up, a loving embrace, a gentle kiss on the cheek, a push to finish that race, laughter. A friendly voice at the end of the phone. A place that enriches lives and warms even the coldest of bones. Call it what you wish, but remember this. To you, it might just be an estate. But to me, a million more. It's home.
0: God. God, I'm finding it hard to speak. Um, It's just so, your words are so powerful. And, And you just seem to thing I love about you ever is that you just get to what's necessary and what's vital, you know, people. And wow. Wow.
1: I mean, my, my family are pretty much rooted in Kaya park. My granddad spent his life there. He died mm. there. You know, it, you know, when we drove him for the last time of the days, his funeral, you know, he went past the streets that he grew up in, mm. in, in Glock. And, uh, you know, my nan is still there, um, you know, in the house that they lived in throughout their entire marriage you know, my other family is still dotted around. It's it's very much a place that will always, always have my heart. And it doesn't matter where I go in the world, whether that's to Newport, to Bristol, to London, uh, you know, across the seas, it doesn't matter. That That is literally my route. And I never have to, you know, wonder who I am or where I'm from because I know, because that's my grandparents, it's my cousins, my aunties, my uncles, my mum, my dad. You know, that's who we are. We're rooted in that very spot and we've we made you know, grow in different directions, but essentially that, that's literally always going to be the seed in me.
0: So lovely. It's so honestly beautiful. It's really lovely. So what advice, if you could go back to your younger self, would you give?
1: Ooh, that's a heavy question, you know, <laughs> um, do you know it's weird because I see myself, you know, especially five-year-old me going through very, very awful experiences and i look at myself and even when i look at photos it doesn't feel like it's me it feels like somebody i care deeply about almost like my child and if i could say anything to five-year-old me is is don't worry you will you'll you'll get there you'll be all right it's going to take time but you are going to overcome this
0: that's really lovely that's really nice and what advice i mean that's obviously something you'd like to pass on to others but any advice for anyone else
1: I think if you have a dream or an ambition, listen to what you feel, because there's going to be, I mean, essentially at the start of my journey, four and a half years ago, when I said, do you know what? Given the reactions I'm getting and the offers I'm getting for gigs, et cetera, I'm going to go for this. I'm just going to bite the bullet. You know, I'm unhappy in my work life. I've suffered serious mental health issues. Do something that makes you happy. And I did it. And people are like, oh, you know, poetry isn't a real job. You'll never earn any money out of that. You'll never do anything. And four years later, I'm doing amazing things, working with amazing people. So what I, my advice to anybody is if you want something, there is, there is going to be massive challenges. There is going to be people that slam doors in your face. But keep going, because if it's something that you feel, people will feel that around you and you will succeed. Don't let somebody else tell you how to live your dream. Live it the way you want to. Pursue your own happiness, because at the end of the day, the race is with yourself, nobody else. You know, you need to invest in yourself and your future because nobody else can or will, unfortunately. So just go for it.
0: I love the uh, the races with yourself and no one else.
1: Absolutely. Like nobody else is living your life. You are. Brilliant. Live, you, live it for you. You can support people, but live it for you. Your happiness matters. You matter as a person.
0: Really beautiful. So I've got another one. This is slightly heavy as well, um, right. but I'll lighten it and um, smile as I'm saying it. So what legacy would you like to leave behind?
1: essentially I've got a saying that I always say leave a legacy not a scar and although I absolutely adore poetry um, my objective when I got into this was to speak for people that don't have a voice and to change and challenge things in society that were damaging to others so as wonderful it is to be remembered for poetry I would much prefer to be remembered for the changes or the support that I gave to people. And hopefully I can leave a legacy behind that inspires others to continue change and to support one another. And, you know, at the end of the day, what do you want people to say about you on your last day or when you depart the world, like we all do, like, how do you want to be remembered? And I want to be remembered for leaving a legacy and never, ever a scar.
0: Oh, and do you often think about that? Cause I, I mean, I do, I, 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 you know certainly, in the last half many years, I've really thought about how would I like people to remember me and especially my children's stuff and all the it. Do you think about that a lot?
1: I've thought about that for many, many years, especially mm-hmm. with having some serious health problems, mm-hmm. and you know when you've got like serious health problems like recently, I found myself in recess you know you 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 do think about your mortality even though you know people would consider me quite young i'm you know i'm thirty two Um, To be confronted with not knowing if you're going to reach a certain age or not knowing if you're going to overcome something, you do question the decisions you've made. You do look back at your life and think, well, you know, on the day I leave, how are not just my family and friends, because, of course, they're always Mm. going to talk about me in a loving way. But how are the strangers or the other people that you've impacted on your journey through life going to talk about you? And, you know, I've made bad decisions at life. In my teens, you know, I was often in trouble, um, you know, on a weekly basis. And I look back at that and I think, OK, you were going through a rough time. And I've spent many, many years trying to rectify the bad decisions that I made. And I do, you know, I forgive myself for the things that I've done because I wasn't given the best tools and I didn't have the best avenue to go down. Um, but I always, always just want to be remembered for helping and supporting people or at least trying to alleviate your situation because I think as human beings we we look at things in a in a in a boxed off way but actually I feel when you're born you're obligated to ensure that others around you feel safe enough to be authentic and feel safe enough to walk the streets I think that's an obligation as a human being to care for even the smallest of insects you know if we all just spent our lives just meeting that simple obligation I think things would be everybody would be so much happier because they know that they can rely on that person or they know that a stranger is going to support them in some way and you don't have to be as bold or as bright as the sun or the moon I mean it's just little tiny things like a hand in a in a moment or a brood during a difficult time and actually those flickers of lights all individually shining together as I always say can defeat even the darkest of darkness
0: That's amazing. And it it would be so lovely, wouldn't it, if we taught this in schools? Yeah. Yeah, Uh, because
1: nobody is born bad. Nobody is born with judgment. I mean, that's, you know, essentially what you put out into the world feeds into our young people and our children. And often when a child says something that isn't, let's say, desirable or hurtful to another person or another child, at that moment in their life, a five-year-old hasn't got the brain or the knowledge or the understanding to know what they've said they've heard it and it's environmental nobody is born bad and I feel like if we're just conscious of the way we act around each other and like the language that we use just always speaking kindness and the thing is like one thing that you can learn is with somebody that you fiercely disagree with or somebody that you would regard as as brackets enemies if you showed them the same love and compassion as you showed those that you do love
0: Hmm.
1: imagine how less how much less conflict we'd have And imagine it's like that whole belief thing. When you love another person, that gives them the belief to love themselves. That bitterness grows from the inside. And that's from a lack of love, I feel.
0: Yeah, there's a great saying, isn't there, the hurt people hurt people.
1: Exactly. Don't take the knife out your own back and stab another person. Just show love. Just love. Like there's a lot to be said. Like the the very first page of my book says love is a a cure, an incurable disease.
0: Wow, it's lovely.
1: and i try my best you know there are times where i am a bit sharp-tongued or i can be a little bit bitter but i i try to self-reflect as much as i can and realize that you know the outside world aren't entirely understanding of what you feel inside so don't put that out there try and love yourself and love others mm. and honestly it, since i decided to start doing that and became very conscious of my language and my behavior and even the way i sit and hold myself it, the world becomes a better place for you not just yes. on an environmental level, but for yourself as well. Like, love yourself. And the world doesn't love you, love yourself even harder.
0: Oh, that's really lovely. So if you were to use one word to describe yourself, which word would you use?
1: Tenacious.
0: Great word. Great, great word. Evra, oh, every time I talk to you, every time I receive an email or a text from you, it's just enlightening. It is. You're a beautiful person. No, seriously, it's amazing. I absolutely love talking to you, and I love listening to you. You're amazing. And it's so funny. <clears throat> I mean, with these podcasts, I always write, you know, notes, and I've, and yours have just, ah, just written so many lovely things down. Um,
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: <laughs> it's lovely. It's just so wonderful. Thank you so much indeed for agreeing to um, be part of just me
1: this is this is brilliant i mean I, i've really enjoyed myself and i it's always a privilege to talk to you and get involved with whatever you're doing so thanks very much
0: you're very welcome thank you
1: no worries